Hi there, and thanks very much for listening to this week's dispatch from off-grid and ignorant in Portugal. Although this time it's coming from Sweden, from the west coast at Anna's mum's farm in uh, Varbai, where we've come as part of our European excursion, which is the main title of this week's dispatch with a subheading, Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid. There are many great things our off-grid life in rural Portugal gives us, but sometimes parachuting into another place with other people reminds us how different we've become. Anna and I are not known for living in normal places and working nine to five. What a way to make a living. But I enjoyed a moment of self-reflection while we spent a sunny Sunday afternoon drinking beer brewed by monks and eating steak tartare on a rural Belgian golf club terrace. Apart from red-orange trousers, I had little in common with the Belgian golfers hammering balls down the practice field with differing levels of success, except, of course, for the ones who weren't very good at golf. Golf terrace life may be normal in many places, but being alien to us, we headed to the nearest village petrol station to choose from a wall of Belgian beers and then drank them under a beautiful linden tree on the golf course, enjoying Belgium's first weekend of sunshine. It's funny, I thought, how Brexiteers and, in the heart of Europe, Europeans both wear red trousers, where Covid is such a distant memory that everyone kisses everyone they greet, and there are places where you can hire a clifftop castle for a weekend on Airbnb. The occasion of our Belgian break was the 40th birthday of our great friend Lucas, who, with his wife and our old pal Ella, know how to put on a very good party, on this occasion at Chateau Milmont, and arriving later than most, we stayed at the nearby golf hotel. Friday and Saturday featured barbecues, speeches, fireworks, generous pourings of wine and champagne, and a theme of, I don't believe I'm wearing this. It involved a host of old friends and a clutch of even more new-to-us smart people who do proper jobs in proper places. Machine learning upstarters, spin doctors, diplomats, artists, educators, UN experts, weekend visitors from Amman, Cairo and Melbourne. Yes, just in for the weekend and all wearing outfits they would rather not share pictures of on LinkedIn. As much as I try to stop myself, I'm so obsessed with our current water mineral content levels, it's hard not to disappear down rabbit-sized boreholes when making polite, so-what-do-you-do conversation. A number of times I caught myself ending a long rant with the phrase, so now we're going back to the idea of reverse osmosis. When people feign interest and nod without looking over my shoulder, it merely encourages me. So we'll need three separate water lines into each house and can use the residue salt water in the pool. Great, eh? Interesting, polite people reply. As regular readers know, I continue to be laughingly rubbish at the off-grid thing and some of the self-deprecating stories do keep real people listening, but it helps when they're trapped in the corner battlement of a castle where the only escape is leaping into the valley below. I also found myself keen to ensure Portugal was properly represented in the face of all this northern Europeanness. Call that a monastery, I inexplicably said to Ella while touring Maradoso Abbey, one of the most famous monasteries in Belgium, 
which just happened to be half an hour down the road, but only built in 1872. We went to one recently in Alentejo that dates from the 1500s and is so much bigger, I said, for some odd reason. It was an amazing abbey, with a fantastic tour guide who explained the importance of religious crooks and why they point different directions, how the history of Western Europe is told through what's on Euro notes, and the strict rules defining what can be called a Trappist beer. For links and explanations to all those things, you'll have to go on to the website Off Grid and Ignorant in Portugal to find out. And after all, there's no real competition. The reason spring is so vibrantly green in Belgium is that winter is so terrifyingly wet and grey. Hark at me, not even three years living in Portugal and already playing the my monastery is older than your monastery game. It was an educational weekend. I learned just how many German hospitals fake their invoices, how half of Mexicans get paid in cash, how expensive mezcal is more subtly smoky than the cheaper stuff, and that Belgians eat a lot of cheese. Belgian croquettes, especially the cheesy ones, are a bit like the Irish sport of hurling. If you grew up with it, you can safely participate, but if not, it can be extremely dangerous to stomach. It's perhaps the combination of the croquettes, the raw meat, and the monkey-factured cheese served with their beer that made my tummy ache, longing for a session of hurling, once we made it to Sweden. We flew into Stockholm and took the cross-country train to surprise Anna's stepdad Krista for his 71st birthday. Traditionally a significant one, after we did the same for her mum two years ago, after Covid had kept us away from her 70th. Gertrude picked us up at the nearest station a little after 9pm, following a sneaky switcheroo of cars, ensuring Krista didn't suspect anything. We tiptoed around to surprise him at the kitchen table and slipped into the house, delighted to hear the buzz of his steel strimmer and that he was still out in the fields cutting grass. We waited in anticipation. The strimming continued. We turned off the lights to avoid detection and then waited a little longer. The sound of strimming stopped. We got ready. The sound of strimming started again. Then it got properly dark. The cutting continued. It was 10.45pm before Krista returned to the house, exhausted and extremely and happily surprised to see us. On his last day of being 70, he was strimming into the night. It's exactly this kind of hard-working, determined rural living which inspired us to move to the countryside. They also have a lot of great toys. I say toys, but this is proper farming. Peak sheep is now over 80. The rye crop is tall and straight, and today Krista will be spinning yesterday's cut grass into lines, ready for baling, as Gertrude is weighing the last three smallest lambs to see if they still need bottle feeding. They've been doing it more than a decade, since Gertrude retired as a GP, and they moved from the east to the west coast of Sweden to follow their dream. Now they are definitely farming, as opposed to planting a few dozen trees and talking about planting a vineyard. They are fit and strong, look younger than ever and don't drink very much wine. I live in the hope they had no idea what they were doing when they started ten years ago, but I doubt it. Staying at Riergård Farm is a great refresher course in countryside stuff. As well as detoxing with healthy homegrown food and no croquettes and collecting milk just one step away from the teat, Krista taught me how to set up an electric fence 
and which strimmer wire to use to cut well with minimal plastic waste. He was surprised by my speedy hole digging for wooden posts, but their land isn't clay, and it was a lot easier than digging our olive grove. And while on the west coast of Sweden, we took the week full circle by visiting Lennart and Marie Linna at their summer house. Lennart was Swedish ambassador to Thailand and Anna's old boss and dive buddy when he married us in Bangkok a shade over 12 years ago. Despite being retired from the Foreign Service, Lennart is heading to Ukraine next month for a temporary posting to bridge a departing and an arriving ambassador. We talked about the friends we'd seen at a castle in Belgium, reminisced about the madness of Thai street protests back in the day and think we've done enough to lure them to the Valley of the Stars next year once the pool is open. Next stop for us on our European excursion is Copenhagen, from where we're flying back to the valley, the dogs, the cats, and with huge thanks to Misha and Daniel for keeping an eye on everything for us. And finally, it was great to get so much feedback last week about artificial intelligence and the end of the world as we know it. I may have mocked, but with thanks to Ulla for a YouTube video and The Economist for a timely essay, Yuval Noah Harari's predictions are as convincing as they are scary. I quote, New AI tools have emerged that threaten the survival of human civilization from an unexpected direction, he says. AI has just hacked the operating system of human civilization. Language. I take it all back. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Thanks again for listening. Please go onto the website Off Grid and Ignorant in Portugal to check out all the links and pictures and fun stuff I put on there. And see you from Portugal next week.